Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Rental rates in Hamilton continue to rise. The sale of a Hamilton apartment building hits a snag. Interest rates are sadly going up again. Hamilton will reluctantly participate in Greenbelt home building. Learn how climate change is affecting your health. And it's the return of Because Beer. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. I hate to drag everyone down, but this is an important topic we got to talk about it's it's the cost of living we've been talking about it for how many years now at least a couple of years post pandemic because well thanks to the pandemic our lives have changed in terms of how we work where we work inflationary pressures supply chain issues uh fluctuating markets everything under the sun it's been it's been an upheaval in in some sense And so yesterday we talked about food insecurity in this city. 46% of the households that participated in a survey said they would absolutely become homeless if they didn't have the supports of the emergency food banks because they would have to use the money they pay for their housing on food. Uh, Karen Randall from Hamilton Food Share joined us yesterday calling the situation food insecurity a crisis with visits to local food banks skyrocketing by 40% year over year. We know that food prices have gone up 9% this year. They were up 10% last year. So over two years, basically up 19%. We're paying 19% more now than what we were a couple of years ago for food items. What are we also paying more for? Rent. Rental rates continue to climb in Hamilton. We are now 18th on the list of the most expensive places to rent in Canada. Average rent for a one-bedroom apartment in the city. Take a guess at what that is. Well, it jumped more than 15% from June of last year. Now sits at $1,870 a month. $1,870 a month. That's $267 higher than last year at this time. So someone living in the average one-bedroom apartment in the city has had to come up with 267 additional dollars year over year. Rentals.ca, with its latest ranking or list of the average cost of rental rates in this community, and says for a two-bedroom apartment in this city, that cost is $2,298 a month, so about $2,300 a month. That's also up from last year, $277 more year over year. Both of those numbers are actually higher than the national average. Average rents in Canada hit a record high in June, $2,042 a month. And that beat the previous record set in November by 0.9%, so 1% higher. And over the past two years, average asking rents in Canada have increased by 20% or by an average of $341. So in the last two years, rental rates on average in this country have gone up by $341. It's uh, Hamilton's bed, $1870 a month for a one-bedroom, $2298 for a two-bedroom. It's even worse in Burlington. A one-bedroom apartment in Burlington, just across the bay, for an average one-bedroom apartment, $2,215. That's the eighth highest in Canada. Two-bedroom goes for $2,575 
in Burlington. Number one on the list for most expensive, and it's, it's not a shock at all, Vancouver, B.C. A one-bedroom apartment in Vancouver, $2,945. That's a one-bedroom apartment. You want, you want an additional bedroom? It's about $1,000 more a month, $3,863. And the next closest isn't even close. Burnaby, B.C. is about $500 cheaper. And down in Toronto, they're number three on the list when it comes to a one-bedroom cost, $2,572. Mississauga, Etobicoke round out the top five. And still with the GTA, Vaughn, North York, also in the top ten. It is extremely expensive to live these days. Now, according to the 2021 Canadian Rental Housing Index, 14% of Hamilton tenants spent more than 50% of their income on housing. More than 50% of what they made, at least these 14% of Hamilton tenants, went to housing. So half of whatever they made was left for whatever else. Residents who rely on Ontario Works, which is $733 a month, uh, or uh, the ODSP, Ontario Disability Support Program, which is $1,308 a month. I mean, forget it. You're making $1,308 a month. Even if you do add in the $733, how are you affording a one-bedroom apartment in Hamilton that costs $1,870 a month? Yeah, you can pay that, but you have nothing left. The, you, you've heard about the living wage, living wage network. Living wage for Hamilton is nineteen oh five an hour. If you're making that, yeah, that's that's pretty respectable. It's based on the cost of living, which translates into seven hundred sixty-two dollars a week, three thousand forty-eight dollars a month. You might think, well, yeah, that's that sounds pretty good. Over a year, that's thirty-six thousand five hundred seventy-six dollars. Now minus. $5,486.40 for income tax purposes, you are left, if you have a living wage in this city, you are left with $31,089.60 after taxes at the end of the year. $31,089. Now divide that net income of $31,089 by 12 months. So your net income per month is $25.90 a month. You know where I'm going here. $25.90 a month. You'd be left with $720.80 per month if you lived in the average one-bedroom apartment in this city. If you lived in an average two-bedroom apartment in Hamilton, you'd be left with $292.80 a month. Now tack on the cost of food, transportation. You might need a phone or internet if you're working from home especially. Laundry, forget about emergencies. You can't have those. Median annual salary in this country in 2020 was $40,630. Not that far off from the living wage calculation that I just mentioned of 36000 and change. Hey, thankfully gas prices have fallen by, you know, 30 cents or so year over year. At least we have that. For now. It's a pretty sad reality. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. A bunch of tenants of an apartment building on Caroline Street South banding together uh, together to buy their building, buy their building from the landlord for millions of dollars in an effort to protect themselves from rent hikes and rent evictions. We've all heard about that. 
Well, the the feel-good story has kind of hit a snag now because negotiations between the tenants and the landlord have reached an impasse. Long story short, this group of tenants uh, formed a co-op to buy this 90-year-old building for, I think it's $4.8 million. Not chump change, that is for sure. And, uh, well, uh, as I mentioned, negotiations have hit a bit of a snag. Emily Power is one of the tenants at Caroline Street Apartment and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Emily, welcome back to the show. How are you? Hi, thanks for having me on. So the breakdown in negotiations, I understand, is in regards to inspections that have been done at the building. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, it's a standard process, you know, just, just like any home buyer buying a house. Uh, if you're buying an apartment building, you're certainly going to get it ex- inspected before you uh, sign all the final paperwork. Now, the expectations were you were going to find some things, but from what I understand, you found a bunch more than you expected. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a 90-year-old building, like you said, so we expected there would be some repairs, and we were prepared to take that on. But we were shocked by the results of uh, these inspection reports uh, and the, you know, the scale of neglect and the amount of capital investment that's needed and overdue. So how much is needed, and what what are some of the things you have to fix? Well, our uh, engineers are telling us we're facing over $500,000 worth of urgent repairs. Uh, That's just, you know, in the next couple years. Uh, And then over the next 10 years, it climbs to close to $2 million. Uh, So we're we're dealing with, uh, you know, old electrical, ungrounded, uh, possibly knob and tube, uh, asbestos, uh, you know, corroded, leaking pipes, old uh, water tanks, um, you know, uh, unstable foundation, uh, cracks and sloping, water damage, uh, fire damage, uh, you know, uh, loose faulty windows that that fall in and break in in the wind. Uh, Just a whole host of things that uh, make it clear the building is is not up to code. It's it's not safe and functional and there's some major investments needed. And so with this laundry list, this laundry list of to-do things and, and, and quite expensive, you've basically asked the landlord, hey, you know, cut us a bit of a deal here. Yeah. And and again, I'd emphasize, like, what we're asking for is the same thing any other buyer would, right? Like, if uh, this was an investment company or some kind of private equity company, uh, they would perform all the same studies that we did. And it's just a standard part of the the negotiating process, uh, the purchase process, that you go back to the seller and you say, hey, these things weren't disclosed in the original listing. Uh, this this is uh, going to be a huge uh, burden to us. And, and so we'd like uh, some reduction, modest reduction on the purchase price to account for that. So what has been the response of the landlord? Uh, well... We, we've given him every opportunity to uh, come to the table and negotiate in good faith. Uh, we've been trying over the last month uh, to reach some kind of compromise. And uh, he's very stubborn. He, um, you know, questions the validity of the reports that these independent, uh, you know, professional assessments. Uh, he, he questions the credibility of the authors of the reports. Uh, and uh, he's just... Uh, unwilling to, you know, play ball, uh, and uh, is now threatening to to back out of the deal to, uh, and possibly, you know, he's threatening to sell the building to a private equity company if he doesn't like 
the price we're offering. And so if that were to happen, I would imagine your rents are going to change in the not too distant future. Yeah, I mean, he knows full well uh, our fears around uh, him selling the building to uh, a private equity company. We, you know, we all know how this goes in Hamilton, right? Like stories about rent eviction, cash for keys, this kind of pressure. Uh, it's it's common, and uh, we're fearful that's the fate uh, we would face as well here. Emily Power is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Emily is a tenant in the Caroline Street Apartments in which they're trying to buy from the landlord for uh, uh, upwards of nearly $5 million. And they're looking for a bit of a deal now that inspection reports have come back with a litany of issues with this building. Uh, The landlord, for his part, is claiming that you guys are using the media to bully him into a deal and calls it... Uh, regrettable. Your thoughts on that and, and your tact in this situation? I mean, we feel the same way. This is a last resort for us. Uh, we, we've tried to uh, negotiate with him directly, uh, provided multiple proposals over the last month. Uh, that's our preference as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, fair is fair. And uh, we're, we're prepared to pay fair market value for the building. Uh, but we want to, you know, start this co-op in a financially responsible way. Uh, And, uh, you know, all we're asking for is a modest reduction on the price to allow us uh, to have a little bit of a cushion to uh, make these repairs. Do you think think this deal is salvageable? Yeah, uh, for sure. And and I think Andrew, just the landlord, he just needs to face facts and, uh, you know, come, come back to the table and do the right thing. Well, we'll continue to follow the latest developments on this story. Emily, thanks for the time. Good luck. Thank you. Emily Power is a tenant with the Caroline Street Apartment. For his part, Andrew Robertson is the landlord in an email to 900 CHML News. He says, quote, I think it's regrettable that they have chosen to use the media as a way to bully me, excuse me, into their absurd demands. If they don't like the deal we agreed to, they can walk away. I don't respond to threats or bully tactics. It befuddles me why they think a stunt like this will help in any future negotiations. They have poisoned the process that up until this point was moving forward in a respectful manner. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. This happened yesterday. Higher interest rates are needed to slow the growth of demand in the economy and relieve price pressures. We continue to expect economic growth to moderate and inflation to ease. But this will take longer than we forecast in January and April. Bank of Canada officially raising interest rates yet again yesterday. The uh, central bank's key lending rate now at 5%, up a quarter of a percentage point. So here's the question. What does that mean for you? And is it going to help tackle inflation? And is this the last interest rate hike we're going to see for a while? Here with much more information than I will ever have in this regard is Jean-Paul Lamb. He's an associate professor of economics at the University of Waterloo and a former assistant chief economist at the Bank of Canada. JP, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. How are you? I'm very well. Thank I'm you. fantastic. Thanks for joining us this morning. Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklem, you just heard him, says the central bank talked about holding its key policy rate steady, but they decided on this quarter point hike because it wouldn't be worth the risk of delaying action. Did the Bank of Canada make the prudent move here? I think they did because the data is showing that the economy is surprisingly very strong on the demand side. So there's excess demand. Uh, Core inflation, which is inflation that removes the effects of food and energy prices, 
remains stubbornly high and it's not going in the direction they want, which is downwards. And we are seeing high wage growth, which is adding to inflation. And that's a normal reaction on the part of workers to demand higher wages, given uh, the higher prices that they've seen. And more importantly, I think what worries them the most is inflation expectations. And what we're seeing from their surveys on the part of firms, firms continue to hike prices. They have indicated that they will increase prices more than needed and more frequently. So this means overall that inflation is still not under control and there is a long way for them to go to bring it to their 2% target. So that's why the 0.25% increase yesterday was needed. So when you reference inflation expectations, this is industry or business looking at what inflation is now and where it could potentially go and forecasting you know, th- their price points going forward. Exactly. That's coming from not just industry and firms, but also from you and I, people on the street. Mm. And that's important because remember, inflation expectations are an important factor for actual inflation. And let me give you a very simple example. If you think you're going to buy a new car and if you believe that this new car is going to go up by, let's say, $5,000 in six months, you're not going to wait. You're going to buy now. And when you buy now, and if everybody does the same thing, then this increases demand for the car and prices actually increase today by $5,000. So prices uh, in firms and companies and workers, when they expect higher inflation, that feeds into actual inflation. And what the Bank of Canada knows and research has shown that on many occasions is that if inflation expectations become de-anchored, so move away significantly from 2%, then it becomes much harder for the Bank of Canada, even with increases in interest rate, to bring it back to 2%. Former Assistant Chief Economist at the Bank of Canada and current Associate Professor of Economics at the University of Waterloo, John Paul Lamb, joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML as we discuss the latest interest rate hike by the Bank of Canada. We also heard from the central bank yesterday, Tiff Macklem, saying that they believe inflation won't reach their target of 2% until the middle of 2025. Does that mean that rates will continue to rise in the months ahead? It's very likely that we will see more rates increases in the months ahead. But what is very, very likely is that the actual level of interest rate, which is around 5%, is here to stay for a long time. So at least until the end of 2024, because we need that to restrict demand and to bring inflation back to 2%. So for people out there, if they're going to renew their mortgage in the next 12 months, they will see much higher rates. For people renewing lines of credits as well, they will see much higher rates because the bank rate is uh, is expected to remain fairly high for the next 24 months. Are we close to a rate ceiling, if there is such a thing, given the current economic conditions? I think given the data that we're seeing, I think we're close to it. I don't think there are many more increases in interest rate in the cards for the Bank of Canada. But obviously, their decision is data dependent. If we continue to see much stronger demand that we've seen recently, if we see core inflation remaining stubbornly high and not coming down to the range of 2%, then 
uh, everything is possible. But right now, I think there is probably one or possibly two more increases until uh, middle of next year. Mr. Lamb, your experience and insight is invaluable. Appreciate the time this morning. You're welcome, Rick. Thank you for having me. John Paul Lamb is Associate Professor of Economics at the University of Waterloo, former Assistant Chief Economist at the Bank of Canada. He knows his stuff. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Unequivocally, we won't touch the green belt. Uh, unlike other governments that don't listen to people, I've heard it loud and clear. People don't want me touching the green belt. We won't touch the green belt. We'll figure out uh, how to clean up this housing mess and this housing crisis that we're facing in a different fashion. But all my friends, I listen to you. You don't want me touching the green belt. We won't touch the green belt. Well, the different fashion that Premier Doug Ford was talking about was they're carving up the green belt, as you know. And so earlier this week, we heard from Hamilton councillors who said, you know what, under protest, we're reluctantly going to be a part of this protest of developing parts of local greenbelt lands that are being carved up for new housing development. And so it's basically working with the province, even though you don't want to do so, but at least the city is saying, listen, we want to at least have a hand in how these lands are going to be developed. Ian Borsak is the Interim Executive Director of Environment Hamilton and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Ian, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Rick. Nice to meet you. This is, you know, the city basically saying to the province that, okay, you can come in, but only because we want to be able to assist you in how these lands are going to be developed. What, what do you make of the city stance? Well, I mean, ultimately, I understand where the city is coming from. Um, you know, the, the province has come in and said that they're taking these lands out of the green belt. And we have been put into a position of, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. And in this, in this case, the province has said that you must come to a table with a facilitator that the province has chosen. Uh, the facilitator will work out a deal uh, with the developers that own that Greenbelt parcel near Hamilton. And um, we're told that, okay, well, you know, maybe this is a great way to get community benefits out of out of uh, that land, out of that development. Uh, maybe we'll see some affordable housing. Um, but none of this is guaranteed whatsoever. And city staff uh, more or less confirmed that uh, Still, uh, the results of this uh, whole process could just result in developers saying, we don't like this deal, going to the province and then getting what they want out of it anyways. How much different do you think the city's vision is that of the province's? Because at the end of the day, the land's going to be developed either way. Do you get the sense that the city says, listen, we we need to have a portion of this for affordable housing or, or whatever the case is? Well, I don't know if the land is going to be developed either way. Um, this is an extremely unpopular opinion, uh, uh, position that the province has taken. Um, as, you know, the clip you just played, uh, you know, Doug Ford was elected under the promise that he wouldn't uh, carve up the Greenbelt, and yet he is doing so for his developer friends now anyway. Um, so here in the city of Hamilton, it was pretty clear that we don't want to expand our urban boundary. We don't want to take portions out of the Greenbelt. And, um, you know, across the province, uh, the Greenbelt is probably one of the most popular pieces of, of policy in the province that, that exists today. Um, maybe comparable to our public health care system, but that's a whole other issue. 
Um, and so I, I don't think Hamiltonians are going to stand up for this. And really what the message that I was trying to tell council on Tuesday was is that we want them to not participate in this farce because, quite frankly, um, you know, the last provincial election we had was the lowest voter turnout uh, in, in, in provincial history. Uh, people are seeing what's happening in the province right now. They're seeing the green belt grab happening. And I think, you know, there's a really good chance that we're going to have another government in 2026 that's going to be looking at reversing these decisions. So I think at the end of the day, we need to be seeing some leadership from our, you know, city council and from Hamilton um, and reflect what Hamiltonians actually want to see, which is standing up to the province and uh, pushing back. We have a couple more minutes with Ian Borsuk, the Interim Executive Director of Environment Hamilton on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. We know that the city is going to be holding a public meeting to let residents have their say on the province's decision. I'm getting the sense from you that most residents are going to say, don't participate at all because we we don't want to see these lands developed. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. If we are going to be participating, um, it, the, the city's saying that they want to hear what the public has to say about how this development should go forward. And, you know, in in my opinion, I think anything that the public is going to be telling city staff and anything that the city staff are going to be then taking to this no, those negotiations, which, again, we found out on Tuesday, we don't even know if minutes are going to be taken and whether those minutes will be publicly available, um, that I think, you know, it's going to be pretty clear that what the city of Hamilton is going to be bringing to the table, the developers won't be interested in at all. Um, it's it's extremely bizarre, the situation that we find ourselves in. Again, um, this land that has been taken out of the Greenbelt is not necessary to meet our growth targets. There is enough land in the city of Hamilton approved already for development that could accommodate growth out to 2051. And across the entire province, we have enough land already in, in all of the GTHA uh, to accommodate 1.5 million homes at least. Uh, out to 2051. So it's not necessary to do this to address the housing crisis. It only benefits developers and it removes farmland and natural heritage uh, permanently, which Hamiltonians don't want to see. So I think, you know, what's going to ultimately happen is is Hamiltonians are going to tell the city of Hamilton, we need to push back. I, I'm with you. I've been on the infill train from the get-go. We have enough space in the city. They're already serviced. They're, those services are going to have to be upgraded anyways. Mm-hmm. Let's capitalize on those lands before we look anywhere else. Ian, we'll have to leave it there. really appreciate your time this morning. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, Rick. Ian Morsick is the Interim Executive Director of Environment Hamilton. Uh, not sure when this public meeting is going to be held with community residents, but when we find out, we'll inform you as well. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. From poor air quality as a result of wildfires to uh, an increase in Lyme disease thanks to uh, more weather-resilient ticks, the Ontario Medical Association says climate change is clearly impacting our health, and that is absolutely true. It's out with a position paper with recommendations on a potential go-forward plan. Dr. Andrew Park is the president of the Ontario Medical Association and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Dr. Park, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm good. What kind of health impacts are we being dealt with because of climate change? Um, so particularly in the in the summer months, we're seeing these uh, extraordinary heat waves, um, certainly all throughout the United States, all through Canada. Um, and, and these have immediate impacts on health, uh, including dehydration, 
um, kidney failure, pneumonia, um, confusion, particularly in those patients who are more vulnerable with chronic conditions, um, that are elderly, uh, cognitively impaired uh, baseline. So, so these have the immediate impacts, but we also have um, longer uh, impacts, uh, including anxiety and stress and the sense of doom around our, uh, around our climate, certainly the mental health impacts of it, um, as well as just the recognition by uh, the World Health Organization that this is this century's single biggest health threat and um, that there, is, uh, there needs to be a concerted effort to understand that a healthy population uh, requires a healthy planet. That's one big part of the problem, too, is that there's it's not just one thing. You, you mentioned mental health, which is, yes, has a, has a slice in this pie, but you look at, you know, vector-borne diseases. I mentioned the Lyme disease through ticks, uh, water-related illnesses, food safety, all play a part in uh, the impact of an individual or the, the health impacts an individual will face. Yeah, I think when I look at the system, um, I, you know, I, I consider it the same way as I would look at the environment, you know, the healthcare system. And, and that's really to say that um, you know, we're all connected. There's, things are very complex. What we do today does have downstream impacts. And, and we need to be, um, we need to be mindful of that um, as we think about our own planet, um, as we think about the sustainability of the institutions that we have, have set up uh, moving forward and, and just you know, um, frankly, as a father, like what kind of planet we're leaving our children. Dr. Andrew Park is the president of the Ontario Medical Association and our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Let's dive into this position paper that has been uh, compiled by Ontario's anesthesiologists on the health impacts of climate change. What can you tell us? So um, uh, this is a great position paper, and um, it, it shows some... Uh, uh, tangible steps that have been taken by our anesthesiologists, uh, particularly in Sudbury and, and Collingwood, where they've said, you know, the gases that we use have a potent greenhouse effect, and what can we do to substitute those? Um, uh, of course, as physicians, pr- patient care and patient safety is our, is our, you know, our mandate, our primary concern, and can we achieve both goals? Um, and, and the short answer is yes, they've been able to achieve that. And it's great to see um, this conscientiousness creeping into our and in, into healthcare and saying how do we how do we be mindful of of what's happening around us in the environment, but also to say you know are there other initiatives that we can do such as um, reusing um, reusing some um, some of the the, the instruments and and. Um, and drapes and PPE that we've gone through on masks, particularly throughout the pandemic, um, in in a way that obviously prioritizes patient safety, um, but um, decreases the amount of waste that's produced by a hospital. Are there recommendations with this position paper as well? Um, so it's really uh, yeah, as we talked about, is is really saying it, look for alternatives, look for a circular circular way of of utilizing healthcare resources. Um, and, um, that requires some forethought, um, that requires some planning, um, but, but to say that this is something that, that we should all be doing. Now, is that something that the Ontario Medical Association is doing on its own, or do you need uh, an, an okay or some kind of mandate from the provincial government to say, all right, you should be doing this? So right now we're really, uh, we're really trying to highlight the issue, um, ensure that everybody understands that this is a health issue, um, 
And as, as I talked about before, with the complexity of the system, it's very hard to make those changes in isolation. So it's really um, about engaging with our stakeholders to say, how do we, how do we make the, the necessary changes um, to ensure that we're really thinking about a sustainable healthcare, healthcare system? Um, and that includes our um, thoughts about how we uh, reduce our footprint uh, on the planet. The report quotes a 5% um, contribution to, to greenhouse gases, and that's, that, that's a significant impact uh, to our environment and something that we can uh, work to, to improve on. Last one for you. You've got about 45 seconds. The most recent visible sign of climate change are, are, are the wildfires and the poor air quality that virtually everyone in this part of the province experienced. How worrisome was that to you and what kind of health impacts are we going to see? So very worrisome. Anytime you get that particulate matter in areas such as your eyes, your skin, your lungs, um, it can cause irritation and inflammation that leads to increased asthma. Um, and, and, you know, these fires are just another reflection of the ongoing trends of, of global warming. And it's something that uh, we really need to work to um, um, to be better at. Absolutely. Dr. Park, thank you for your time this morning. Thank you so much. Dr. Andrew Park is the president of the Ontario Medical Association. Worth noting as well, the World Health Organization has identified climate change as this century's single biggest health threat. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Summer Cruising Series continues on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. This week we are profiling... Because beer, it is back at Pier 4 Park this weekend, actually starts tomorrow, continues on Saturday, and here to talk about it is our in-studio guest, Tim Potasek. He's the co-owner of Sonic Onion Records, Super Crawl Productions, Because Beer Festival. I can go on with all the other things you're involved in, but we'll leave it there. Because Beer, back. Uh, the beer is back. I love it. Yeah, yeah, really excited. We had uh, we had a great year back from COVID last year, mm-hmm. and looking to reproduce that again this year. So it's uh, full force. I was there last year. Not only was the weather fantastic, and it'll be great this weekend as well. But yeah. the, I mean, the beer is the star of the show. The beer is the star of the show, absolutely. So you know, but I think we're at thirty six vendors, so hundreds of beers. You can't try them all, um, <laughs> but you can do your best yeah. uh, to taste. Uh, you know, the ones that you're really into, and it's uh, you know, brewers from Windsor to Ottawa. Uh, big focus on Hamilton, obviously, because we mm-hmm. have some great brewers in Hamilton, and so many things to try. Cideries as well, and we have non alcoholic beers if people want to try those Excellent. as well. So there's like just a massive variety. Win win win. Yeah. Are you finding? beer makers are calling you to say, hey, we want in on this festival because you've been around for a few years. It's been ultra successful and it really highlights what these beer, what these breweries are doing. Yeah, uh, we have like a stable that just like want, you know, are instantly like we're back. We're we're definitely in for next year. Uh, we do like to mix it up and bring some new ones and, you know, have some have some variety and mm-hmm. some change over each year. But it's usually like maybe 10 to 20 percent of the brewers are a little bit different than they were in previous years. And we have a couple new ones this year. Nice, that's good to hear. Uh, Becausebeer.ca is the website you want to go to to get your tickets. Uh, $30 in advance of the doors opening, That that's a pretty sweet price point. It's a great price point. Like we're specifically like targeted a really affordable price. You get, you know, a glass to take home if you want, uh, tokens that, you know, with your ticket, uh, you'll normally have to buy some more tokens if you want to drink for, you know, multiple hours, (laughs) but incredible entertainment. So just the entertainment alone on Friday and Saturday, uh, the ticket price in like a normal venue club in Hamilton would be more than the actual cost. So you get, you get beers and entertainment for, for a very reasonable price. Let's 
let's uh, key in on that entertainment. You have uh, numerous bands, numerous musical acts that are going to be playing at Pier 4 Park. Yeah. Give us a sense of uh, who are some of the highlights. So Friday, our uh, kind of co-headliners, I'd say, Five Alarm Funk, who's like a funk band, super fun. We like to have high-energy fun bands. Mm-hmm. And then uh, an artist group that we work with a lot in Hamilton called Born in the 80s, very, very popular in yeah. Hamilton. Yeah. They do tons of covers. They're going to do a bunch of different themes, uh, sets. And uh, Los Chucos, another like super fun like party band on Friday, and then on Saturday we have uh, Bianchi, Bianca Ber- Bernardi. I keep saying her name wrong, and <laughs> uh, to, to kick off the the show, and then Tara Lightfoot um, and Dwayne Gretzky, and nice. you know Dwayne Gretzky, arguably but not arguably probably the best cover band in yeah. Canada. Yeah, they've they've done a remarkable job of hitting their stride. Oh my God, they're yeah. amazing. Such a great show and big band and awesome. So we have those artists, but then we also have beer yoga that's taking place both nights. Um, so you can, you know, do your poses with your beer. Uh, <laughs> As the sun sets and that's tons of fun. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, the park itself is beautiful. Lots of food trucks, free arcade and pin, uh, ping pong for people to play. So uh, lots of games throughout we have mm-hmm. activations throughout too so you can like go see the beer store talk to them about the things that they're doing and a bunch of other different activations that are happening we also have the uh, Hamilton aerial group coming to do some circus performances nice. both nights as well it, this is not just a giant beer garden I mean you just mentioned it there's activities to do food trucks to visit it, uh, you know music to, to listen to it's a whole lot of everything yeah and I also like to I like to joke about the fact that it is it's not this isn't the joke part but it's the most beautiful park we have in Hamilton, like mm. the the look out onto the bay is yeah, just stunning, yeah. and you get to look. I always like to joke about the fact you get to look at Burlington and all the beautiful rich people <laughs> in Burlington, and when they look back, they see the steel mills. So whatever, yeah, yeah. Know. Well, and they see the the giant tents you have set up. Yeah. That the music's going to roar across the bay. Yeah, it's it's really a great time. It goes from uh, four p.m. to twelve a.m. both tomorrow and on Saturday, and you can get your tickets online at becausebeer.ca. What kind of feedback have you received from people who go to this? Oh, it's like it's a highlight every year. Um, people love it because it's just such a great vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do all the things, but then you can just go sit, chill, and hang out with your friends by the water up on the up on the ridge of the park. And we scale the park so that like there's lots of room for people to hang out, and it's clean, and everybody just has a great time. The yeah. vibe's fantastic. Talking about because beer makes a uh, comeback once again this year. Pier Four Park. Tim Potisic is our guest. He's the co-owner of Sonic Onion Records, uh, Super Crawl Productions, Because Beer Festival as well. Has there ever been a thought to say, you know what, we should do this a few times a year because it is so popular? Well, we do do a winter one now, so we—that's right, because Burr, because Burr, right? yes. So it's scaled. Obviously, it's a thousand people, yeah. um, and uh, we do it at our venue, Bridgeworks, and it's that sells out. Like mm-hmm. it's just, um, it's a smaller scale event, obviously, but we also bring great talent and, and, uh, different things. And we usually focus on the local breweries for that, yeah. for that specific event. So yeah, we've definitely, uh, we've definitely, you know, tried to take it to another level. What is your highlight for this coming weekend? What's the thing you're most looking forward to? Hmm. Well, it's tough to, it's tough to say, but I always love the unique things. I love to walk around the park and just see people having a great time, mm-hmm. right? That's like, that's the highlight for me specifically. The people um, watching. The people watching. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I hold the license, so no drinking for me. <laughs> so I have to sample my beers on Sunday okay. after the festival. Um, but uh, yeah, Tara Lightfoot, obviously a massive highlight for me and signed to our label. And yeah. so I'm excited for Tara to be in Hamilton. Uh, Dwayne Gretzky, born in the 80s. Like I, I'm just a massive fan of 
watching these bands perform because they're so high level and great. So It's going to be awesome to see, and you can be there. Go online to becausebeer.ca tomorrow, Saturday, 4 p.m., 12 a.m., Pier 4 Park. Uh, there's beer, there's music, there's food, there's fun, and it's going to be a great time. Tim, thanks for coming in this morning, and have a great time this weekend. Thank you. That is Tim Potasek. Tim is the co-owner of Sonic Onion Records Supercrawl Productions Because Beer Festival. The list goes on and on. Go online again to get your tickets, becausebeer.ca. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.